like that. You want to try Hello, everybody, that. and welcome it's to like this Friday glass, edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Let's go, ladies and gentlemen. I am ready. We are here. We are live at some point. I am ready. And it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I know I say that almost every single show, but this one's going to be fun. I can promise you. It's going to be fun. If you don't have fun, then there's something wrong with you. It's not wrong with the show. So... Before we get into anything we're going to talk about today, make sure you're following The Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, you're listening to it right now, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan with the show's Instagram account being The Logan Blackman Show 1. YouTube and Facebook, search Logan Blackman Show, subscribe, like, do whatever on those. And of course, you're listening to it right now, and the only way you know what's going on right now is if you're listening to the show... And if you're not following and or subscribed on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify, you might as well be doing that. And leave a rating on a five stars on both. Leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do, whether it's about one episode of the show in general. I would just greatly appreciate it. I would greatly appreciate it. We just had a blog post go up on Wednesday, so I, ho- I wish you guys would go check that one out. It's about week two quarterback prospect rankings. We went through the best quarterbacks in college football and compared to their NFL draft stock. For those of you who did not listen to Wednesday's show or have not seen the blog post yet, I would recommend you listen to Tuesday's show. It's a long one, or Wednesday's show. It's a long one. It's two and a half hours long, and the blog post is good, and we'll just get a quick recap of what happened on the list. So I'm not going to give you number one. I'm not, uh, you know what? We'll go top five. It's the exact same. So there you go. <laughs> it's the exact same as week one. It's the exact same as it's been for a while. Young, Stroud, Richardson, Levis. Van Dyke. And I know Levis and Van Dyke and our Levis and Richardson did not have the greatest weeks of all time. I know Bryce Young surprisingly only beat Texas by one, which is a weird thing to say about Texas football. And Tyler Van Dyke somewhat struggled against a not great Southern Mississippi team. They took him to later to actually start pulling away the game. It was kind of an unfair scoreline to Southern Miss. But with that being said, I think it's be wise. I was going to start off. So- no, 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 no. We have to start off with this because it's happened the past two days. It's happened the past two days. We kind of finished the show on Wednesday talking about this. I want to talk about it at the start of this one because we've had the squad get dropped for the September camp, and we've had the World Cup kits dropped. And let me tell you, this World Cup has got some ugly-ass kits. Ugly ones. I, I can probably think of five off the top of my head that I actually liked, and I'm not even going to name them because I don't really, I'm not that confident that I can name five. Nike stunk it up. Stunk it up this year. But you know what's sad? You know what's really sad? Is that I'm a sucker that's going to go out and buy that regardless of how much I say I dislike the jersey. I'm going to go, you know what? That jersey sucks. I'll have one. <laughs> I'm one of those people. Every year, the World Cup, I always get a new World Cup jersey. So I haven't gotten a new World Cup jersey since 2014. It's been a long-ass time. No, I have had a U.S. jersey since then. I got one when they went to the Gold Cup final against Mexico. Shocker. Back in Chicago when they lost to Mexico, when Pulisic, McKinney, and all those guys, they're Berhalter's first tournament as United States manager. And there are a lot of people right now that seemingly are impartial or don't like Greg Berhalter at this point in time. And I'm not going to sit here and bash Greg Berhalter. I think what Greg Berhalter has done in his time as United States manager is a totally different and just vastly, insanely better than what happened prior to the 2018 World Cup. Everything that led up to that point, ass. But everything after that has been relatively good. The U.S. has won every trophy they have tried to play for. They went to the Gold Cup with a relatively inexperienced squad, won the tournament, beat Mexico, who was heavily favored to win the entire thing, has beat Mexico three times in a calendar year, 
Gold Cup, CONCACAF Nations League, and just a friendly or World Cup qualifier in November, like these things hadn't happened before. Like it's just things that have these all there's been really good. There's been more good than bad, but I would say some of the bad things have been amplified or amplified to a, a certain degree. Like the squad that he brought for the Gold Cup, a lot of people, not myself, we we said the slot squad selection was good for the Gold Cup because an inexperienced squad, you need to fill out the rest of the World Cup roster. This is a good tournament to do that. Plus, you have players on, you know, have club duty. So they're doing all their inter- their uh, their season tours and stuff, preseason tours and stuff like that. Their season's just ended, so I feel kind of stupid to go, hey, we know your season just ended. You know we're probably recovering from season-long injuries. Go play in the Gold Cup, which is more often than not just a tournament for the United States and Mexico to meet in the final every single year. Without end, there's been odd years every once in a while where, like, Jamaica beat the United States one year, but 99% of the time it feels like it's just Mexico versus the United States. There's only three teams that have won the Gold Cup, and the only other team that's won the Gold Cup is Canada, and they've only done that one time. So it's not an overly competitive tournament. It's a tournament the United States should win or Mexico should win every single year, and they pretty much do. Like, if the other's not in the final, the other team usually wins. It's usually how it works out. And the Gold Cup, I thought, was a roaring success. I thought it was beautiful. I went to one game down in Kansas City. It was the United States versus Canada. It was a fun game. And you saw a lot of players in that tournament that have made names for themselves that they didn't have before. We talked about that a little bit on Wednesday's show. Like, Matt Turner, I don't think, was the starter for the United States during before the Gold Cup last year. But then after Matt Turman's incredible performance in the Gold Cup, it's hard not to say that he isn't the starter. Zach Steffen has really done nothing too wrong at that point. But that was a rough year for Zach Steffen. Zach Steffen got hurt against Mexico in the CONCACAF Nations League final. And Horvath came in and saved the penalty. And everybody's like, oh, Horvath's a challenge, which we said at the time. That's ridiculous. Don't go around saying Horvath should be challenging for the starting job. You can go back and listen to that show. That was a ridiculous take then. It's still a ridiculous take now because I'm not even sure he'll make the World Cup squad. When you're looking at what he's doing versus what Sean Johnson's doing, I would go with Sean Johnson. Sean Johnson just won MLS Cup last year with NYCFC. Ethan Horvath didn't play nearly at all for uh, Nottingham Forest when they got promoted back to the Premier League, and now he's on load at Luton Town. I get he's playing over in England, he's playing over in Europe and things like that, but come on, Sean Johnson deserves to go to the World Cup over Horvath. But I understand people liking Horvath because of that penalty save because it was big. Andres Guardado goes up to take the penalty, he saves it. No one's really expecting him to save that penalty, and yet he does. It made it even crazier that Pulisic scored a penalty in the opposite end. Like, it was just insane, but he was never in line. He was Well, I guess he was at one time in line to be a starter. There was a point in time where people, when he was playing for Club Bruges, there were a lot of people that thought he was going to be the next great United States goalkeeper. When the United States has had a very long line of great goalkeepers. Very long line. But then Stefan took that one over when he was playing for the Columbus crew, and now it seems like it's Matt Turner's chance. Now, Zach Stefan is recovering from an injury, so he didn't get put in this new squad, but it's Matt Turner... Matt Turner, to me, is the starter. In net for the World Cup, he's the number one goalie for the United States, in my opinion. And, yeah. I know a few years ago we talked about this being a possibility, but at the time it seemed crazy because Stack Steffen was the easily the best goalie in the United States that they had at their disposal. Matt Turner had never been even called up before, and people were saying, oh, this guy should start. And then now he's here. I do remember saying that was a little ridiculous. At the time, it was back, then, back uh, about two years ago, two, three years ago. And I remember somebody on the MLS's website, MLS Soccer Soccer, Major League Soccer Soccer.com, posted an article about it, and I thought it was ridiculous. And, and now it's 100% right, or 100%, 100%, 51 to 
I do think Zach Steffen has a chance or has a case for being the United States main star. He's been a captain before. He's been one of the main guys that Burhalter's rotated the captaincy with. Like, Burhalter trusts him. And if you've known anything about Burhalter's squads up until this point, he picks players that he trusts more often than not. Like, you'll see some skilled players that are not in there, then big one being John Brooks, who on his day is the best center back at the United States disposal. But Burhalter doesn't pick him. He didn't really get rotated in the squad when they were going through the down period, too. So these managers are not really picking him, and it seems like, now this is subject to change because this is not the official final World Cup squad. We are well aware of this. But it seems like the the back three, the three center backs, or four center backs are set. Zimmerman, Long, Carter, Vickers, and Richards. Do I think Aaron Long deserves to be not only back in the squad, but starting? I'm not 100% sure. I, back in the day, I think you could have made a, I made a solid argument that Aaron Long should be the starter next to John Brooks. And then once Aaron Long kept getting hurt, it was like, ah, he's going to have a hard time getting his place back in the squad. So it was John Brooks and Walker Zimmerman. And then Miles Robinson played really well in the Gold Cup. And like, oh, wow. He has a say in this as well. But the United States has some decent center backs at their disposal, but I don't know if Aaron Long... I don't think Aaron Long's the four, top four center back in the United States. I think there was a point in time for that, but I don't think he's that. And the weird thing is, though I say that, he's probably going to be a starter. It's going to be him and Zimmerman, probably. Regardless of how I feel about that, I think it's probably going to be Zimmerman and Aaron Long. I see a decent argument made for Chris Richards, but Aaron Long is one of the more experienced players, and like we said before about players Burhalter trusts, Aaron Long was the first captain under Greg Burhalter. Aaron Long, when you watched the Gold Cup a few years ago, when it was him, Miazga, and Zimmerman as the center backs, Aaron Long was the only consistent feature in that team in regards to the back line. Zimmerman rotated with Miazga the entire time. Like, if Aaron Long is healthy, we said this We said this back then, we have stayed really consistent about it. It doesn't matter how good he plays or how well he is. If Aaron Long's healthy, more often than not, Greg Berhalter is going to pick him. More often than not. You see the same thing going with, like, Paul Areola. You've seen the same thing. Not, he's not in this squad, but the two people also that are in that category are Christian Roldan and Sebastian Legette, two players that try really hard for the team and Berhalter trusts them. So you might see some Zach Steffen at some point because Berhalter trusts him. He's been the captain numerous times before the United States. I don't know. It's interesting. This squad's very weird, though, because on Wednesday when we talked about the possible squads that Berhalter could deploy for the September camp, I thought it was going to be something like we saw in the Gold Cup where it was a squad that of players that were all on the outside looking in for the World Cup squad or players that are on the bubble for the World Cup squad. But this squad is relatively experienced. Like, there's a few players in here, sure, that are, like, not the most experienced players of all time. And some players are out missing to injury. But most of these players are experienced. And Burhalter, the main, the main one, not necessarily John Brooks anymore. I think people have kind of just resigned to the fact that John Brooks is not going to be one of the main options for center back in the United States and probably won't be on the plane to Qatar for the World Cup. The big surprise for everybody, seemingly, is Jordan Pifok. This dude is leading the line for the leading team in the Bundesliga in Union Berlin. Jordan Pifok and Josh Sargent, who made the squad, I'm, I'm fine with Josh Sargent making the squad. He deserves it. With how he's been playing recently, he definitely deserves it. But those are the, probably the two, and Ferreira's played really well for FC Dallas this year. I think Ferreira's the starter. I'm talking about people behind Jesus Ferreira. But Ricardo Pepe, I don't really understand. Because what he said about PFOC was, we know what he is. He's not out of the squad. 
Let's put it like that. He's not out of the squad, but we know what he is. Well, why say that? You know what 90% of these players are. Like, you know players like Matt Turner, Yedlin, Zimmerman, Long, Dest, Vickers, Richards, McKinney, Acosta, Adams, Musa, De La Torre to a certain extent, Pulisic, Ariola, Brendan Aronson, Jordan Morris, Ferreira, Reyna. Like, you know what all these players are. And there's some others that I didn't even mention that you know what these players are. So maybe there's a chance, maybe this is a case of like Peapock missing the squad but make the World Cup squad because he wants to see Pepe and Sargent battle it out for that last striker spot. But just given on recent form, it should just be Josh Sargent. Pepe shouldn't really be in the conversation. I enjoyed watching Pepe when he was at his peak for FC Dallas. And when he first got called the United States men's national team, when he first chose the United States over Mexico, all these different things were happening. It was like, oh, this is exciting. I'm really happy about this. But then as it kept going on, it's he hasn't scored. I don't the last time he scored was like October of 2021. He hasn't scored in a while. I don't know if that's correct. I thought I saw something about that on Twitter. But he's Augsburg's high record record signing of all time. Biggest signing Augsburg's ever made. And they've loaned him out to Gronigan in his, what, after a half season? Like, I get Pepe's young. Pepe's not even 20 years old yet. He's still 19. He's the youngest player on the squad. But I don't, what, what, what are we seeing right now at club and even international level? I get, Berhalter said that he scored three goals in World Cup qualifying. That's fair. But just because he's doing that doesn't mean he deserves a place. Jordan Peefock should be the number two striker right behind Jesus Ferreira. And maybe George, Josh Sargent can make an argument for you being the number two guy. Maybe that's the case. But like, this is like when England would call up Andros Townsend and Tom Huddlestone and players like that, where it's like, why are you calling these people up? Or Jake Livermore, not Tom Huddlestone, Jake Livermore. These guys aren't providing anything, but they're consistent players. They play well for England, so we should keep calling them up. If you have players that are better why not bring them up? And I understand, again, this is not the final World Cup squad, and I imagine that the strikers will be, in no particular order, Jace Ferreira, Jordan Peefock, and Josh Sargent. I think those would be the three strikers going to Qatar, because I think Sargent's ability to play on the wing, especially the right wing, his work rate's always been really good, so I'm not really surprised that he's doing well as a winger. So he can track back really well. That was the only problem as a striker, he just couldn't score. But now he's scoring goals. They're in the championship. Norwich probably going to come right back up and they get relegated, come last in the Premier League next year. It's just how it works with Norwich. But I, I do like that Josh Sargent's playing well. And Josh Sargent, for those of you who don't remember, Josh Sargent was extremely hyped when he was first getting called up to the United States men's national team, like getting the, the younger teams. Like, he was hype, hyped. And it's kind of cooled down. He was playing well over in Germany and then went to England with the team that was damned for relegation damned to be the worst team in the Premier League and their best player was their striker. So it was kind of like, why is this move happening? But now in the championship, he's been uh, changed into a winger. It's worked well for him. And he deserves, he scored six and six this year. So he deserves to be on this squad right now. He definitely deserves that. Now there's other players like Tim Weah's out injured. Zach Steffen's out injured. Anthony Robinson's out injured. But I just think like with all this, the squad stuff, Burhalter's just not consistent with his reasonings behind not picking certain players. Like, he didn't doesn't pick Tim Ream now because of his height. He picked Tim Ream for years. He was one of those players that was one of the 
more experienced players in the United States squad. One of the players you could turn to and he wouldn't make a mistake. You knew what you were going to get from him. He's played really well for Fulham this year. Like, John Brooks can't catch a break right now. And he had his reasonings for John Brooks. And I understand every coach got their reasoning for picking whatever players, but I don't think there's a lot of people out there that say Aaron Long is better than John Brooks. I don't think there's. I don't think that's the case. I would be hard-pressed to find people that actually say Aaron Long is better than John Brooks. Maybe John Brooks' attitude isn't very good. I don't know. I'm not in the camp. But just, and he's never been, I don't, to my knowledge, John Brooks never been captain. Aaron Long's been captain uh, probably three or four times, maybe five times. So maybe, maybe Berhalter likes his leadership more than anything. But this squad's not bad, but I understand why people are somewhat frustrated with some of the, uh, the, the, the lack of call-ups, I guess. Or not lack of, but the people that were excluded from the squad, I guess. Like, people want to see Haji Wright in the squad. Jordi Mihailovic has been someone that people want to see in the squad. He's been playing very well for Montreal this season. But, yeah, it's just... I do understand. I do understand the squad. I do understand to a certain extent, but the reasoning behind certain players doesn't make sense. Just ba- what I'm reading it as is he wants Sergeant and Pepe to battle that for that last spot. That's what I'm reading it as. Just say that. And even with that, I wouldn't have even brought Ferreira. I we know Ferreira's gonna be on the team barring injury. Ferreira's gonna be probably the starter. So have PFOC in there. So you have those three battling out for the final two spots. If you're gonna use that as an excuse, we know what Ferreira is. We know what Pulisic is, we know what McKinney is. We know what Adams, we know what Zimmerman, Dest, all these different players, we know what they are. So just frustrating for players like Jordan Pivog, who's leading the line for the leading team <laughs> in uh, in the Bundesliga. He's not on the squad. Haji Wright, not in the squad. Yeah, Ricardo Pepe, last goal, October 7th, 2021. October 7th was Ricardo Pepe's last goal. Last goal. We got Brandon Vasquez, 19 goals. Haji Wright, 17. Jayassi's artist, 13. I don't know. It's a, it's, yeah. And then here's the, here is Burhalter's direct take about Jordan Pifok. We know what Jordan can do. He's been great in the Bundesliga, and we just went with someone else in this camp. We didn't just want to give up. We don't, we didn't want to just give up on Pepe. Sounds like Triple G is out, isn't out on Pifok just yet. Just wants to give Pepe a shot to earn it. Burhalter asked what he wants to see from Pifok to elevate his U.S. Men's National Team World Cup roster spot. Quote, the decisions aren't easy decisions. I understand that Jordan should be in consideration. He was. And yeah, we had to go with three strikers and evaluate them. Berlter continued, quote, Jordan's put a hell of an effort and has done a lot of right things. We'll evaluate the guys we have here in the camp. And then after this camp, we'll continue the evaluation, period. So yeah, if I'm making a World Cup squad and I'm picking like attackers, it's Pifuck, Ferreira, and Sargent. Those are my three guys. Again, I like what Pepe did in his like spurts when he was first introduced. He just hasn't been consistent. And I do think there's part of it. Like I'm trying to play someone on both sides here. That part of it is this will re get Pepe some motivation or get him his confidence back because he's probably been lacking a little bit of confidence. He scored no goals for Augsburg in 15 games, 16 total games, I guess. 15 in the Bundesliga. And he hasn't scored in Augsburg for uh, for Groningen. 
So maybe this is just a confidence thing. Maybe it's just a confidence thing. We'll have to wait and see about it. But I don't know. I, I, th- I do think it's kind of odd. I do think it's odd. But other than that, you look around the rest of the squad, goalies are Matt Turner, Sean Johnson, Ethan Horvath. I think that's fair. Because I don't even know like the, a third goalie would be. Would you put Slolina in there from FC Chicago Fire? Gaggy? Would you put him in there? I don't know. I think it'd be fun to see him in there, but I don't know. Uh, the defenders are DeAndre Yedlin, Zimmerman, Long, Cannon, Dest, Vickers, Vines, Richards, and Joe Scaly. So you got four right backs, one left back. That's how I kind of see the back line looking. You got Yedlin, Dest, Cannon, and Scaly are all right backs, and Sam Vines left back. I would imagine we see Yedlin at right back and Dest at left back. Because, again, I think that we see a reality when the World Cup comes around they have one left back and three right backs. And I think Scaly versus Cannon will be that spot for that last right back spot. I think Yedlin and Dest are pretty much locked in. It's just a matter of who that third guy is. Midfield, we got Acosta, McKinney, Tyler Adams, Jonas Musa, De- Luca De La Torre, and Malik Tillman. I think that's fair. I think that's all fair right there. I think that's. I think those are probably your guys. Malik Tillman and James Sands have been balling out for Rangers this season. James Sands, I think, will make the squad because of his ability to play both center back and defensive mid. And I think if the United States want to play back five, he's perfect for that middle center back spot because he could press in midfield if you need him to. Yeah, he's not great in a back two. Not great in a back two. But as a midfield three, as the pivot guy or in the middle part of the center backs, I think he's perfect. So I could see him making the squad as one of those rotational pieces. Uh, then we got Pulisic, Jordan Morris, Paul Ariola, Brendan Aronson, Josh Sargent, Ferreira, Reyna, and Pepe. I think in this, we are going to have Pulisic on the left. I think the only spot that's really, quote-unquote, open for debate, I guess there's two, is the center back next to Walker Zimmerman for the World Cup and then the right wing spot. Because there's three, four, maybe four players battling for that starting right wing spot. And those players are uh, Giovanni Reyna, Brendan Aronson, Tim Weah, and uh, Paul Ariola. I don't think Paul Ariola really has a shot at starting. Maybe he does, but I don't really give him that shot at starting. I think it's really, really between uh, Reyna and Weah. Because I've, I've, I've had this discussion before, and I've listened to this before, of people talking about Brendan Aronson. Brendan Aronson is one of the best players on this team. I think you're ranking the top five players in the United States men's national team. He probably is in there, if we're being honest. Because if you're looking at the top five players, it's Pulisic, McKinney, Adams, and then question marks. Who's three and four? I think Aronson probably comes in at number four. If we're being honest, I think there's other players that are in conversation there. I think you got like Reyna's going to want to be mentioned up there. Wea. You've got uh, Jonas Musa, Turner, Stefan. Zimmerman's going to want something. Dest. Like there's other players. But Brendan Aronson probably comes in at four. But we've heard Burhalter talk about this before. He really likes uh, Aronson's ability, his energy off the bench. And that could be vital in games like this. Like Javier Hernandez was that for Manchester United for years. He'd come up with a late goal every now and again, but Aronson, once he gets on the field at the 70-something minute or the late 60th minute, he provides a spark that no one else can. Now, do I think he has a very strong case for starting? Yes, because as of right now, I do think he's better than Reyna and Weah. I think Reyna's got the highest potential out of all of them, but I think right now, Brendan Aronson's better than those two. I think, given how some of the World Cup qualifying was and how... He was the best player in the squad. I think Weah has a. I think he has the strongest chance to start at right wing. I think, and he also has the ability to play striker as well. We forget that he played striker for PSG and Celtic. Now he's transformed into a winger, and when when he plays for the United States, he plays a right winger. But he has played striker before, and he has that ability. So, 
If they want to use him as an emergency striker, I think that'd be an option there as well. Reyna seemed like he was not losing that starting job anytime soon as the right wing, but he kept getting hurt. And his injuries have been a little bit of a problem for him as of late. And if everything's going as it should, Reyna probably will start. If he stays healthy and he gets back into full form for for Borussia Dortmund, I like him. I love his attitude. His attitude's awesome. So I want to see a player like that start. But Weah has been playing very, very well in World Cup qualifying. So if I'm making a final 26-man squad, Logan Blackman's final 26-man squad, and I don't have this written down, so I'm going to try and do this as... I'm going to try and count on my fingers. The problem is I don't have 26 fingers, so it's going to be a little bit of an issue. Goalies, we got Turner, Stefan. I've already said I think Sean Johnson should be the third guy. But I do... If I had to bet, I would say Horvath's probably going to be the third guy. I think Johnson deserves it more, but that's neither here nor there. It's not my decision. So we got three goalies. Then we're going to go with the right backs, Dest, Yedlin, and Joe Scaley. I feel like this is a similar situation with Johnson and Horvath. I think he's going to go Reggie Cannon. I think he's going to go Reggie Cannon because when you look at some of the games, the bigger moments he has had under the United States, as the United States manager, and people asked him to bring Joe Scaley, he's brought in Reggie Cannon. He's been there, played in some big games for the United States, so makes sense to bring him, but I would bring Joe Scaley in that. Then center backs, I just think I, – I don't think John Brooks has a chance. Like, when was the last time John Brooks was called up? October 7th, 2021. So the last time Pepe scored a goal – was the last time John Brooks was called to the United States men's national team. That is crazy. So I think the center backs are locked in. That's Aaron Long, Walker Zimmerman, Carter Vickers, and Richards. So that's 10 players right there. Then I think you're only bringing Anthony Robinson at left back. Because, again, the thing with Des playing center, being able to play left back, I think, is big. Then the holding midfielders, I think you're bringing Adams, Acosta, and Sands. Again, I think Sands' ability to play as a center back is big. And playing in a back five, which Berhalter has shown the affinity for in some of the bigger games, I think Sands plays that position very, very well. And he provides some. He provides a nice option off the bench. I don't think he'll ever... He might not even play a minute in the World Cup, but I believe that option will be there, and that's nice. The midfielders, I think they're already on the squad. McKinney, Musa, De La Torre, and Malik Tillman. So that's 18 players right there. Tillman, again, has been playing really, really good for Rangers. Luca De La Torre is one of those players, again, who brings a lot of energy off the bench and had played well in some of those World Cup qualifying games. Then Musa and Adams are the starters. So that's 18... They're filling out the rest of the squad. Right wingers, you got Reyna, Weya, and, and Paul Ariolas. So there's 21 players right there. 21. Strikers, you've got Sargent, Ferreira, and uh, Pifok. So there's 24. And then the final the final position left wing is Pulisic and uh, Aronson. That's 26. I think that's a fair squad. I think that's a very fair squad. So again, here it is again. I just tried to do that off the top of my head. I think that's I think that's the best squad the United States can have. I think that's the best. Well, not the best. I think Brooks, again, is better than Aaron Long, but he's not going to go regardless. So it'll Matt Turner, Johnson. Uh, yeah, Matt Turner, Stefan Johnson. Dest, Yedlin, Scaly. Vicar, Carter Vickers, Richards, Long, Zimmerman. Robinson. Adams. Acosta, James Sands. Then we got McKinney, Musa, De La Torre, Tillman. Then you've got Weya, Reyna, Ariola, Sergeant Ferreira, Pifuck, Pulisic, Aronson. You like that squad? Because I like that squad. I like that squad. I think there's other players in there that can feel hard done by not making it. Pepe, 
Uh, Jordan Morris being another one of those players. Reggie Cannon, John Brooks, Sam Vines, George Bell, the best two left backs the United States have passed Anthony Robinson. I think those are both options there, but I think those are easily. I think that's I think that's your best team. And again, I can see arguments for Horvath over Johnson. I can see arguments for Cannon over Scaly. Other than that, I think that squad is set. I think that'd be my squad. Uh, I might have a blog post for that. Now, I don't know when the blog post will come out. We've had a blog post that I've wanted to make for a while, but we haven't done it. We have not done it yet. I would like, when do these games start? So the first game is on September 23rd. So we got a few days, and it's against Japan. They play Japan and Saudi Arabia on the 23rd and 27th. So I should I do one before that, or should I do it after? I don't know. Time will tell on that, but that's what I feel like for my squad right now. I In the uniforms, again, I, I wish the way they made it in 2018. Those uniforms were so much better. England's uniforms suck. ESPN tried to hype up Portugal's. What the hell are you hyping up? Portugal's is red with a diagonal stripe and then green with green shorts. It looks stupid. It looks stupid. Puma, like it's all cookie cutter stuff. All cookie cutter stuff. Like Puma, all their uniforms are the exact same. I get you want to, like, one brand and all that crap, but it's just not cool. It looks stupid. I don't like it. I don't know if I've seen one uniform that I actually, like, really, really like. Maybe Argentina's? Argentina's is really hard to mess up. Brazil, same thing? I don't know. It it, it can be kind of rough sometimes. But with that being said, I think it is time to move on to the sub- subject that everybody was wanting to talk about before the show even started. And that is, <laughs> that is that is college football. And we've got the Iowa Hawkeyes taking on <laughs> the Nevada Wolfpack. Oh, God. Oh, God. This game, I should not be this nervous going into this game. I should not be like this. This is not a feeling that I thought I would have going into the season. Nevada lost Strong, Carson Strong, Romeo Dubs, and Cole Turner in the same offseason. So I was like, oh, this should be fine. This should be fine. But no, Iowa, in their beautiful ways, has scored a combined 14 points as the dead last offense of college football. A passing offense worse than Navy's, a triple option school that never passes. All these fun things. Defense special teams, awesome. Love those guys. Those two units are good enough to challenge for national championships. At least, at least win the conference, at least do that. If they just had a competent offense, they could do that. I believe they really could. But we'll never know because this offense absolutely blows cock. That's the best way I can put it. The thing is, though, that helps Iowa in this case, Nevada's given up 400 yards of total offense on average this season. On average. They've given up 400 yards of total offense per game. 305 yards through the air, 94 yards on the ground. Now, Nevada, they're not so slouch on offense either. They have 337 yards per off on offense per game. And they have some decent, decent players. Like Toa Tua, 246 yards, three touchdowns this season for him. Big power. Not big, big, like a tall running back, but 5'9", about 220 pounds. Stocky guy. Runs hard. But yeah, yeah, Iowa, the over-under is freaking 39. Iowa is a 23-point favorite. If you are not hammering the under and then hammering Nevada plus 23... I don't know. I could be very wrong. Maybe maybe Iowa wakes up and puts off an offensive clinic this game. But I highly doubt it. I highly, highly, highly doubt it. 
what would what would lead me to believe that Iowa would be semi-competent in this game, given what I have watched, not just this year, but the end of the season last year? What would make me think that Iowa against any opponent, let alone Nevada, no disrespect to Nevada at all, but Iowa realistically should not have any problems with Mountain West teams. And I've talked about how good, the, how underrated the Mountain West Conference is, but if you're a Big Ten school that's fresh off a Big Ten championship appearance, you should not have problems with Nevada. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. And Iowa will have problems with Nevada. I think their defense can stop anybody in college football. Their offense can't score on anybody. The stoppable force meets the immovable object. Iowa's defense is the immovable object. Iowa's offense is the stoppable force. Like, this this is really, I, I guess I didn't even think about this. It's the stoppable force versus the movable object. Iowa's offense versus Nevada's defense. Nevada's defense gives up 400 yards a game. Iowa's offense has 158 yards a game. Dead last in both. So it's the mo- the stoppable force versus the movable object. That's what we're looking at in this game. And I look at, like, more quarterback issues with Iowa. I know this is just going to be a talking point pretty much every single week. We talk about the Iowa Hawkeyes. It's just not the quarterback issue. The quarterback issue. And... It's just a freaking, I don't even know what to say about it really anymore. Like, I bitched and moaned on on Wednesday. I bitched and moaned last Monday when we talked about the game post-South Dakota State. We've done all that stuff. Is me saying anything right now going to sound any different than what I said on Wednesday and what I said all year pretty much? Not at all. There's no development. There's no improvement. He's gotten worse. He is the worst quarterback in Iowa history. He is the worst one. I've I've pondered the idea about him being worse than Jake Christensen. He is worse than Jake Christensen. After I read that Jake Christensen had 17 touchdowns in one season and Preacher says only has 19 over the course, I know he's only been the starter for three, but over five years is ridiculous. Like Jake Christensen was bad. Jake Christensen lost to a five and seven Western Michigan team on senior day by double digits. That's bad. But even then, they knew to pull him. They knew it wasn't working. They will not pull Petrus. And I understand partially. And I don't know if we talked about this Wednesday. I, I can't really remember. But when you look at what they're doing with Petrus, on face value, you look at it and go, oh, they're trying to save his confidence. They're trying to save his confidence. But then you look at it really, you're trotting him out there in front of 70,000 people Every single game, so this is the third game in a row, and we're not even counting last year. The third game in a row, he's going to trot out as the starter. 70,000 people, and that's including away fans. Eh, maybe not away fans, but at least the home fans, so about 60,000, don't like you. That's not including the people in the parking lot. That's not including the people down Melrose. Melrose. That's not including the people sitting in their homes, on their couch, watching on TV. Trotting him out there every single time is ruining his confidence. If he had a a slimmer of confidence going into the season, it is gone. And he can go out and say, like, oh, I don't pay attention to all that. Bullshit. You're in the age of social media. You have social media. Iowa, back in the day, they weren't allowed to have social media. If you were a player, you had to delete it. Now, they all have Twitter. So there's no way in hell Petrus is sitting back and going, like, man, everybody loves me. Like, in a blissful ignorance. Like, nobody... I don't listen to it. He listens to it. Because you hear it on Saturday. You hear it on Saturday. If you don't, I think he's suffering from Helen Keller syndrome or, Helen Keller syndrome or something. Which wouldn't surprise me, given how some of his passes are 30 yards over 
a defense, a wide receiver standing five yards away. But I was talking to I was on Cole and Company earlier today, and we kind of we kind of toyed with this idea. Cole brought it up to me. I think it was something from David Eichel as well, who reports in the Iowa Hawkeyes. Good follow on Twitter if you follow the Hawkeyes. I would recommend it. But is this a case of them trotting Petrus out there to save Brian Ferentz's ass? Is this one of those situations where it's like, Petrus is bad, yes. But if you trot another quarterback out there, say Alex Padilla or Alex Lavas or whoever, you trot anybody out there and they are bad, that is such an indictment on Brian Ferentz. Is this Kirk protecting Brian? I do. I never really thought about that until tonight. But I do think there is a semblance of that. Because why else would you be so committed to one guy who's thrown one touchdown and nine interceptions his past eight games or nine games or whatever? Why would you be so committed to that? I refuse to believe he gives you the best chance to win. But if you bench him and Padilla comes in and sucks ass, then you're like, oh, both quarterbacks are either just bad or Brian Ferentz can't develop quarterbacks, which I'm leaning a little bit to both. <laughs> I was going to say the latter, but I think to both. More so to the latter. Because when you're a quarterback for three years, there's supposed to be some sort of improvement. You're not supposed to stagnate or worse, get worse. And that's the situation with Petrus. If he hasn't stagnated, he's gotten worse. There's been no improvement on anything he's ever done at the University of Iowa. And I'm not saying I'm a, an amazing quarterback or anything like that. I know how to scout the position. He doesn't look confident. He has no confidence. He looks shaky every single time he drops back to pass. Now, that can go down the off to line. That can go down to Brian Ferentz sucking ass as a coach. It could be all of the above. It could be his own personal stuff that he's got. Whatever it is, it's not working. Anything is better. Anything is better. You cannot sit there and tell me after one touchdown, nine interceptions past nine games, that he's the best option. You're talking out your ass at that point. And I have nothing but respect for Kirk Ferentz. He's been the Hawkeyes coach ever since I was a kid. He's the greatest coach in Iowa football history. It's as controversial as that could be. He's the greatest coach in Iowa football history. And this sucks. This sucks. I've criticized Kirk being overly loyal to starting quarterbacks in the past. And it's never been worse than this situation right here. Like, he was incredibly loyal to Jake Van James Vandenberg, but at least James Vandenberg had a couple moments at Iowa. At least he had one decent season and then had a really bad one to follow. Christian started, Christensen started an entire year before getting benched. It took a year to get benched, and even then, he still held on to him starting. They rotated him with Stansy the first three games of the year. Jake Rudock. Another one. We Everybody knew Bethard was better. But he kept putting Rudock out there. Kept putting... The, the bowl game, Iowa gets absolutely shit-stomped. And you're like, okay, well, Bethard's in. Obviously. Like, these loyalties to these quarterbacks, I somewhat respect to a certain extent. But when it's this bad, it starts getting, like, a middle finger to everybody around you, pretty much. And from what I've gathered, the room is pretty much split on what Iowa should do at quarterback. But I refuse to believe Alex Padilla is this bad. I refuse to believe it. And the argument about they see it at practice, I do not care. I see it on Saturdays. And that's when it matters. I don't care if you're the greatest practice or preseason quarterback of all time. Nathan Peterman was that. 
Nathan Peterman should not be in the NFL. Nathan Peterman's that quarterback. The Bills tried with Peterman. It didn't work. They put a quarterback in before he was ready, and it's worked out beautifully since then. Struggles at first, yes, but it's worked out beautifully since then. Josh is on par to be the greatest quarterback in Buffalo Bills history. He's on that way. I'm not saying he's there yet, but he's on. He's definitely the most talented. But, like, there's got to be other options. Even if it's, like, the lo- least experienced guy on the team, there's got, you've got to try something. You've got to try something for the defense's sake. Like, that's it. Do it for just the defensive sake. Your defense needs some sort of offense. They have no time to rest on the sideline because you're going three and out every single drive. Thankfully, the punt unit's special, too. Like, it's just, it's not good. It's not good, and it's ironic that I found this, but I found a quiz on Sporkle that is a thing of every touchdown scored under Kirk Ferentz. Iowa football touchdown scores under Kirk Ferentz. 143 players. There are players that have scored 30-plus. There's people that have scored one. But there's a lot of them, obviously, 143 of them. It's a 20-minute quiz. I'm not going to sit here for 20 minutes to do it. I think we're going to cut it down to 10 because I'm not going to sit here and just, I don't know, forget everybody. Like I don't know who all the best players are. Well, I try to think I do. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to do this. I'm just going to name players off the top of my head. We're going to go quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, do all that stuff. Let's name the quarterbacks first. So we'll go in reverse order. Petrus. Never scored a touchdown for Iowa. Huh. Stanley. Then we've got... Bethard. Bethard's definitely scored a touchdown for Iowa. Rudock. Then we've got Vandenberg. Then we've got Stanzi. Then we got Chris. Does Christensen ever score a touchdown? He has, and Petrus hasn't. Awesome. Tate. Then we've got Chandler. There's a couple Chandlers there. Nathan Chandler. Brad Banks. Hartley. Did Hart know? Hart- yeah, Hartley was a, a Hayden Fry guy. Crap, I don't remember who all their Iowa quarterbacks there were. Sokol didn't play. He should have. Cody Sokol was was a, was a ta- is a talented quarterback. He was showed at Louisiana Tech. Who was the other quarterback behind who transferred? He was number eight. Has Padilla scored a touchdown? He has not. What was his name? He transferred like Eastern Michigan. He was Stanley's backup. I'm completely blanking. Jason Mason Manson had to score, right? He did not. Hmm. Okay, now we got to go to running backs. So right now at Iowa, has Gavin Williams scored a touchdown for Iowa yet? No. We got Daniels. We got Johnson. Then we got. So I'm gonna. I want to try and go in order because this help kind of helps me remember a little better. We got Tyler Goodson. What? Did I already type in Tyler Goodson? What? When was this list made? I was able to throw... What? I'm confused. Tyler Goodson. Okay. Uh, Wadley. Wadley scored the most touchdowns. Interesting. Who else played with with Wally? Wadley. Damon Bullock, RIP. Jordan Kanziri. Who else was there? Got LaShawn Daniels there. 
Mark Wiseman, Wiseman for Heisman. He's number two. I had not realized that. Wiseman for Heisman. That was the greatest thing ever. Who else played? Coker. Marcus Coker. Brandon Wager. Um, who else was there? Pocky O'Mara. How do you spell O'Mara? Ah, uh, crap. Pocky O. Pocky. Did Pocky O'Mara never score a touchdown for Iowa? <laughs> okay, I was spelling his name wrong. Mira. There we go. Who else was there? So we've got 20 players so far. Running backs. Pocky O'Mara. We got Jewel Hampton. We got Sean Green. Who's number five on this list? Number six on this list, sorry. Sean Green. We have Damian Sims. We got Albert Young. Albert Young should be high up there. Yeah, he's number four. Running backs, running backs, running backs, running backs, running backs, running backs, running backs. Is there anybody else I'm really forgetting about that I should be upset about? Who else played with Bullock? Was it, it was just Kanziri, wasn't it? Or was there someone else? I'm I'm blanking, I'm blanking. So now i got to move to wide receivers. So right now we got Tyrone Tracy. Oh, no. Charlie Jones. CJ Jones. That works out. Played with Brad Banks. Now we, okay, we got to back up a couple more years. Then we got... Uh, Brandon Smith, Smith Marset, Smith Marset, nice. Who else was there? I don't want to go too far back. Oh, I got McNutt, Johnson, Kulianos. I did spell his name right. Nice, DJK. Who else was there? We got Andy Brodell. <laughs> Uh, Trey, 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 um, 86. Oh, no. Trey Strauss, Trey Strauss. Sandeman. Sandeman got knocked unconscious against Michigan State. That was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Then we got Holloway, obviously Tate to Holloway. He only got one, though. That was his only touchdown of his career, which is kind of funny. Clinton Solomon. We got Ed Hinkle. Who else was on there for wide receivers? I want to get wide receivers first. There's a lot of tight ends I'll rattle off, but I want to get wide receivers first. Is there anybody really big that I'm missing? Really big. Who is C.J. Beathard's number one guy? Oh, no. Because McNutt was there with Stanzi and Vandenberg. He was also there with Christian. He was a quarterback at that time, though. Who am I forgetting about? There's some people that I'm really forgetting about that I'm just completely blanking on. It's at 14 minutes, 54 seconds right now. Who else is there? There's some big names. I mean, I even got like, okay, I'm going to put him in there. It's Dallas Clark. Oh, wait, what? Dallas Clark was a lot lower than I thought he was. Tavian Banks. Is he already on there? Oh crap. I'm wow, I am blanking super hard. Oh, okay. Moyaki. Then we got Kittle. We got Hawkinson. We got Fant. We got Scott Chandler. What? Oh, Nate and Scott Chandler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> um uh Brandon Meyer. What? Oh Myers. Sorry. Tavon Smith's already on. Or Tavon Smith. Tavon Smith. Tavon Smith. That's who it was earlier that I was trying to remember. 
Obviously, he had the sick-ass dab in the Big Ten Championship, and then they they lost because they gave nine-minute nine, nine long drive to Michigan State. Freaking awesome. Who else am I forgetting about? I'm forgetting – well, obviously, I'm forgetting about a lot. I've got 98 players that I haven't named just completely capitulating all over myself. And there's no current Iowa players because it's 2018 seems to be like the, the cutoff here. Makes sense. There hasn't been a lot of touchdown scored since then. <laughs> Oh, God, I am just, I'm crapping down my leg right now. I can't think to save my life. Running back. There's one running back that I'm really forgetting. Play for the Bills. I, oh, my God. I just looked up in the sky, said a word to God. No, I'm, uh, oh, Martin Manley, Kevontae Martin Manley. Nice. Vontae Martin Manley. He was a beast. I saw him return two punts against Western Michigan. That was awesome. Oh, my God. My dad's going to kill me. How can I not remember anybody? I'm at 46 out of 143. Oh, this isn't fun. This is not fun. This is not fun. I just want to get one. I just want to get 50. 50, I'll be content. 50, I will be content. Who am I forgetting about? Brett Morse, he scored. Yes. Oh, Tyler Sasha scored. Micah Hyde? I'm forgetting defenders. Pat Angerer? He didn't score. Who else? Lowry? BJ Lowry? Fletcher? Bradley Fletcher? Spivey? Mario Spivey? Spivey, as they called him. EJ Eds? 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 Klinkenborg? <laughs> Is it Berg? Adrian Claiborne scored a touchdown. He blocked the punt against Michigan or against Penn State. Broderick Bins, he scored one. Look at that. We're at 52 because we're actually doing defensive players now. Uh, Christian Kirksey, he scored. There's oh my god, I'm completely I'm completely blanking on one of them. Played for the freaking Chiefs. Not Kirksey. He played for the Browns and Texans. Who's the other Iowa linebacker from that team? Wow, he played for the Cowboys. Anthony Hitchens. Has he scored a touchdown for Iowa? He has not, unless I spelled his name wrong. I have not. Any others? Adam Shada? <laughs> not a lot of people that like Adam Shada. Not a lot of people that like Adam Shada. Any other defenders? I'm Bob Sanders. He had to score one, right? Yeah. I'm surprised Bradley Fletcher didn't. So I'm at 55 now. I feel a lot better about myself. But there's one from 99 to 2001 that has really pissed me off, and it's a running back, and I can't think of his name. He play. Oh, my God. Cedric Shaw. Cedric Shaw. Oh, God dang it. When did Cedric Shaw play? So now this is bothering. Oh, Cedric Shaw was way older. Why did I guess Cedric Shaw? He's as old as my dad. That's not even the guy I was trying to think of. Oh, my God. There's one guy that I'm completely forgetting about. I don't know why I guess Cedric Shaw. Iowa Hawkeyes, Buffalo Bills. Not A.J. Epineza. That's not who I was looking for. But did Epineza score a touchdown? Okay, I can't, I, I can't really count that, can I? <laughs> oh, my God. I am completely blanking. Not active. How many ex-Iowa players play for the Bills? 
It's really pissing me off. Is this currently in the NFL? I don't want currently in the NFL. That's just Iowans in the NFL. I don't care about Iowans in the NFL. Running back, Iowa running back, <laughs> Buffalo Bills. I just need to know who this is because I'm pissing me off. Ronnie Harmon. There it is. Good Lord. Oh, Ronnie Harmon's not even there. 86. Nice. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm done. I can't think. I'm completely blanking. That's how low we have gotten here. That's how low we have gone. We've already passed the 10-minute mark, and I got 56. I wow, that was bad. That was bad. Linda Bomb, does he did he ever <laughs> score a touchdown for Iowa? He had not. Man, I I crapped that one. That was bad. Parker Hesse, he's a tight end in the NFL now, so it makes sense. He was de-ended Iowa. Wow. Carl Klug. <laughs> Carl Klug. I I just completely blanked that one. I, I gotta give up. I'm not. I'm gonna do the entire thing. Ledell Betts. Good lord. Yeah, Fred Russell. I think that was the guy I was trying to think of. I say that now just to save face, kind of. Makai Sargent. Yeah, Kevin Casper. Yeah. Uh, Matt Vandenberg. C.J. Fedora. I. Hmm. Nick Easley, Iowa Western guy. Keenan Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Ivory Kelly Martin, yeah. Riley McCarron, Damon Powell, yeah. Jake Doozy, oh, God, this is hurting. Henry Krieger Koble, oh, my God, that's the one player my Iowa State friends make fun of all the time. How did I not know Krieger Koble? Alan Reisner, Desmond King, Jake Hillier. Jake Hillier was there with Rudock. Dominique Douglas, yeah, yeah. BJ, oh, I spelled Lowry wrong. <laughs> it's Lowry, not Lowry. Sean Prater, yeah. Josh Jackson, yeah. Sam Brownlee, I should have gotten that. I had a calendar with Sam Brownlee in it. Sean Considine, yeah, that's another one. Jordan Cotton, yeah. Drake Kulik. Tim, oh, I didn't even guess. Tim, Tim Dodge scored one touchdown at Iowa? That feels wrong. That feels wrong. Tim Dodge scored one Iowa touchdown ever? Oh, interference. Interference. He only played one two years. What? No, he played. That, that cannot be true. That cannot be true. Tim Dwight did not score only one. Oh, that's Tim Dodge. Tim, oh, God. I didn't even get Tim Dwight didn't play. I was going to say, he didn't play for Ferentz. Tim Dodge... Played for the Iowa Barnstormers. Yeah, he played there when uh when I was a kid. At least I believe this is the same guy, Tim Dodge. He wore number one at the Barnstormers. Yes, it was. It was Tim Dodge. Okay, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Tim Dwight. My brain's fat frazzled right now. Nate Kading scored a touchdown. Should have gotten that. At least guessed it. Ben Neiman. Yeah. Amari, I guess Spivet, but I spelled it wrong. Spivey, as uh, Fox Sports called when they went to the Rose Bowl, Orange Bowl. Chad Greenway. Anthony Nelson. Josh Loudermilk. Yeah. Drew Ott. Josie Jewell. Wow. Bo Bauer. Amani Hooker. Yeah. 
Peyton Mansell, that was one of the guys I was thinking, one of the quarterbacks I was thinking of. But that wasn't the quarterback I was thinking of. He was one of the guys I kind of threw around my head. But ones I'm the most upset about, like I didn't even get average score. My Iowa knowledge is lacking right now. Good freaking God. It is lacking like crazy. Betts pisses me off. Fred Russell is another one that really pissed me off. I don't know. There's a lot of them that really pissed me off. But I hope we get to see Iowa score some touchdowns on Saturday. That's all I'm hoping is that Iowa comes out and scores some touchdowns. I don't care who scores them, like that list. I just want to see them score some touchdowns. So, yeah, if I if I had to, like, put money on it, I, I know I already said this, but I just want to reiterate it. If you're putting money on this game, I would not, I, at least for me, this is for me, so you don't have to listen to me. You don't have to listen to me. Just because I host a podcast, I'm super smart, super handsome, all that kind of stuff, you don't need to listen to me. So I would not bet on Iowa. I don't know if I would bet on Iowa an entire time the rest of the season. Like, you look at Iowa's schedule, look who they've struggled against. Iowa State, who, fair play to Iowa State, they won the game, but this is not the Iowa State team that they should have lost to. And if we're being honest here, out of all the Iowa State teams they should have lost to, one of the past two years is the one they should have lost to. Not this one. New quarterback, new running back, defense, new players all around, at home for the first time in God knows how many years. This was not the time to lose to Iowa State. And you looked like shit. South Dakota State scored seven points, two safeties. Looked like shit again. You look at the rest of Iowa's schedule, I'm not saying it's the most difficult stretch of games ever, but Nevada, Rutgers, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, Northwestern, Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska. They could easily, easily lose to Michigan, to Ohio State, to Northwestern for whatever reason, Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska. They could easily lose all those games. I could see a reality where they did lose to Nevada. I've seen them lose games they're not supposed to lose before in the past. Like, we brought up Western Michigan. We brought up uh, the Central Michigan game a few years ago. We brought up North Dakota State when they lost to them a few years ago as well. Like, Iowa has lost plenty of games they should not lose. When they went to the Orange Bowl against USC, lost to Iowa State. There's only lost in the season until they, you know, got absolutely stumped by USC. But other than Iowa versus Nevada, which is clearly the game that everybody's looking forward to right now, Iowa-Nevada, there are a lot of other good matchups here. SEC, we got the new number one team in the nation, Georgia, taking on South Carolina. We got UConn-Michigan, where I believe J.J. McCarthy is the official starter. Based off what you saw last week against Colorado State, it was called Hawaii. Hawaii, they play Colorado State week one. What you saw last week against Hawaii, J.J. McCarthy is the best quarterback. We knew this going into the season, that we were talking about physical tools. J.J. McCarthy is better than Cade McNamara. It was just a matter of if Cade, if J.J. McCarthy could take the job from Cade McNamara, and which I believe he did. So we should see him against UConn have another good game. 47.5 is the line, Michigan versus UConn. We got Oklahoma and Nebraska with their new head coach, and Scott Frost got fired, which is sad. Then we got Youngstown State, Kentucky, Texas State, Baylor, BYU-Oregon at 2.30, which will be a very, very fun game. Oregon's a 3.5-point favorite. We got Ole Miss versus Georgia Tech, which should be kind of, I'm uh, That game could be kind of fun. That game could be fun. We got Penn State-Auburn, UNL-Monroe versus Alabama, Liberty-Wake Forest, which with Malik Willis, that would have been fun, but it's not. Toledo versus Ohio State, Arkansas-Pine Bluff versus Oklahoma State, Missouri State-Arkansas, Akron-Tennessee, Texas Tech-NC State, Michigan State-Washington, South Florida-Florida, Pitt-Western Michigan on the road 
to Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is weird. We got Louisiana Tech, Clemson, UTSA versus Texas, who's now ranked in the top 25. After losing to Alabama, they got put in the top 25. I think that's kind of funny. I understand they were not supposed to be in that game at all. A lot, according to me, they weren't supposed to be in that game. They lost, and yet they moved up in the rankings, which is fair, I guess. Then we got Miami, Texas Tech, Texas A&M, which should be really fun. San Diego State versus Utah and Fresno State versus USC, who's ranked number seven nationally. It is kind of it does feel normal that USC is back with a, a single digit number next to their name. It does feel right. That does feel right. Regardless of how you feel about USC, I talked about this on Wednesday. People that hate Alabama, I don't understand. We're in the state of Iowa. I understand if you hate Alabama, if you like are in the SEC or in the South or whatever. You're in the state of Iowa. You should not hate Alabama. Why do you hate Alabama so much? Just because they win. That is bullshit. That is a stupid-ass reason to hate the team. It is dumb. I hate when people cheer like that. Like You dislike USC for other reasons, fine. I have no issues with them, really. I love watching Reggie Bush, Matt Leonard, give Reggie Bush's Heisman back. Had a lot of really fun players growing up. Don't really bother me. So I like seeing the number seven next to USC. I like it. Seems normal. But those are our top 25 matchups going on right now. Then we got some games Friday night. We got Florida State, Louisville, Air Force, Wyoming. Could be kind of fun as well. Wofford, Virginia Tech at 10 a.m. on the ACC Network. So if you want to get up even earlier to watch Wofford, Virginia Tech, hey, you know, that could be a pretty fun one. Be pretty, 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 pretty fun. Purdue versus Syracuse. Not going to lie, that could be a fun one. ESPN2 in Syracuse. That, that could be fun. I, I might tune into that one. I might actually tune into that game. Any other games that pique my fancy? South Alabama versus UCLA in the Rose Bowl. Okay, there's going to be about 1,000 people in that game. Good Lord. Old Dominion, Virginia. Brennan Armstrong did not play great last week, and you saw what happened. Virginia only scored seven points. Or did they score only three? Was It, it was seven or three. Three points. They lost 24 to three. I thought they lost 24-7. He doesn't have a good game. Virginia doesn't have a good game. That's just how it's simple. That's just how it works. We got Cal versus Notre Dame. Notre Dame two zero and two on the season so far. Looking for any Vanderbilt at Northern Illinois. I don't care if it's Vanderbilt, an SEC school going to a MAC school. That just feels really wrong. I that just something about that just doesn't sit right. Doesn't matter if it's Vanderbilt. Any SEC school traveling to a MAC school. That's that's just weird. That's weird. I'm sorry if that's not weird to you, but that's weird to me. We got a pre-Big 12 matchup between Kansas and Houston. Look into the future for that one. What other games we got? Is that it? Missouri State, Arkansas. Fun one. <laughs> Bobby, Petrino, Bobby Petrino Bowl. I'm, I'm all for the Bobby Petrino Bowl. Bobby Petrino Bowl. That'd be awesome. Michigan State, Washington. I don't know if we said that one. That one could be kind of fun. South Florida, Florida. We said that one. That'll be fun. Montana State, Oregon State. Unironically, that could be fun. That could be fun. Montana State versus Oregon State. That one's in Providence Park. Why is that in Providence Park? That's where that's where freaking Portland Timbers play. Why are they playing there? I mean, it's cool that they're playing there, but they play in a new a, a quote unquote it's a technically a neutral site, but it's in Oregon, so it's gonna be an Oregon State home game. But they got a, a neutral site for that game? Or are they playing at Providence Park this year? Did I miss something? I don't know. North Dakota State versus Arizona. Be a fun one. 
Be a pretty interesting game, that one. All for it, myself, all for it. And I'm sorry if I get a little sniffly towards the end of the show. My allergies have been really acting up lately. So I took about a three-hour break between talking about Iowa to right now. We watched the L.A. Chargers take on the Kansas City Chiefs, and we watched it on my deck. We had the projector up and everything. We watched it there. So my allergies are bad. I popped two Benadryl before starting this. So if I somehow just fall asleep during the show, I I apologize. I do apologize. I don't know when the show's going to go out time-wise. It will come out Friday. It will come out Friday, obviously. But I don't know what time because I don't think I'm going to be able to, rec- to edit like all the things I need to and actually get a full night of sleep. I'm not going to get a full night of sleep regardless, but it's going to be really hard now. But Iowa taking on Nevada on Saturday. Iowa should win. I don't think they'll cover the spread. I don't think they'll go the over. Whatever. I, I think Iowa should win. We've got Iowa State. Who are, are they playing this week? Or are they on the bye? They're playing Ohio. Iowa State should win fairly easily. I do find it weird, though, that they are a bigger... They have a, lar- a, sh- a smaller line than Iowa-Nevada. Have they not watched Iowa this year? How did Iowa warrant a 23-point... How, how did they warrant that? How the hell did Iowa warrant a 23-point line? That is ridiculous. And arguably the game of the weekend state of Iowa, Sacramento State versus UNI. This is 7th ranked in the FCS level, Sacramento State. This is a Sacramento State team that... Theo Day was first introduced against last year. And you and I, once he got introduced, they went from nine yards, like, total offense the first half to nine yards on Theo Day's first throw. Like, the offense looked completely different with Theo Day in. And this should be fun. It's at the Unidome this year. It was at Sacramento State last year. You and I came out big victors there. This will be a big, little bit different. Back at the Unidome, you and I's 0-2. Lost to North Dakota State. North Dakota last week by two points. But I don't know if I said this on the show. I think Theo Day might be the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. I think that I think he is. Just because we haven't seen all of Hunter Deckers yet, but I think Theo Day is the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. And that's just opinion. I, I'm not going to try and, like, this is why, this is why, this is why, this is why, all those different things. I just think Theo Day is the best. From what I've watched, Theo Day last year, Theo Day this year, what I've seen of Hunter Deckers. I, it's just between those two. But I would go with Theo Day. A little bit of bias in there because I went to UNI, but I, Theo Day is really good. He is a really good quarterback. But yeah, it's going to be a tough game. It is going to be a very, very tough game for UNI. Though it's at home. Being at home is pre- I know the home crowd's probably not going to be great since both Iowa and Iowa State are at home. I know they're playing Ohio and Nevada, but... The chance to go to Iowa or, Iowa or Iowa City or Ames for a Saturday to watch a game, they're going to take advantage of that. So I don't know how many people will be at this game. The Unidome holds 16,000. I don't know how much they're actually going to fill up in that. I would bet about half for official, quote-unquote, official attendance. But yeah, you and I you and I had a, st- a tough start to the year. Sacramento State's only played one game. They won 56-33. So we don't really know what we're getting from them. They played Utah Tech, who just made the jump from D2 to FCS. So I don't know what to think about um, Sacramento State. I know they're ranked 7th. But I think you and I can pull the dub. I think you and I can get the dub. I think they will. And we brought this up a little bit ago because we talked about we just watched this, the Chargers Chiefs. Yeah, uh, Chargers were winning 
the game in the first half. They were up 17-7 at one point. And then they just chargers did up. Justin Herbert threw a pick six at the one-yard line. And uh, then it just went downhill from there. Justin Herbert got hurt. And it just turned into a normal-ish Chargers game. Like, it was just a standard Chargers game. I always say this about the Chargers. I've said this every year we've done a preview, pretty much. If they don't shoot themselves in the foot, they are a very, very, very good football team. I've said it this year. I said it last year. They are very talented. They've got all the pieces to be a very, very good football team. They just can't get out of their own way. And that's been a common theme throughout the 21st century with the Chargers. I could say the same thing about the Vikings. you got all the talent in the world on these rosters, and yet for just some unbeknownst reason, you just can't get anywhere. Like, Chargers off the line's been an issue for years. It's been healthy recently, and then they just had two people get hurt tonight. They had Corey Lindsley and Trey Pipkins both get hurt. But I remember back in the day, like the Chargers had the number one offense and defense and didn't make the playoffs. Like, that's what we're talking about here. The Chargers should have won this game. Patrick Mahomes did not look great. He did not look his normal self. Sure, he had the sidearm touchdown pass from like the five-yard line that everybody, you know, drooled over for a little bit. But he didn't play great. It wasn't the, the most Patrick Mahomes-esque performance of all time. And then Herbert got hurt. I don't know if it was a chest injury or rib injury or back injury or some internal organ injury or something, but he got hurt as well. It didn't matter on the last drive. I mean, it did for a little bit, and then two throws, you could see his adrenaline kick up, and he threw two darts. One to Gerald Everett, and then one to Josh Palmer for a touchdown. But, man, I give credit to Mahomes, though. I do give credit to Mahomes. Only Kelsey is the really only, only real reliable target on this roster that he's used to. Because you look at the rest of the roster, it's people he hasn't really had a ton of time with. Like, he's had McCole Hardman there before, but that's not been anything amazing. Justin Wilson, Justin Watson hadn't been there before. Juju hadn't been there before. Sky Moore hadn't been there before. He didn't register a catch or a target. He's all new people, pretty much. And then Travis Kelsey, who is just Travis Kelsey. So you're, you know what you get from Travis Kelsey. Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Like, new guys. New guys. And he spread it around. I mean, 24. he had 24 completions. Only five of them went to Kelsey. He is spreading it around. He is spreading the rock around. But, man, the Chargers had that game won. And that's Justin Herbert. I find this weird. That's Justin Herbert's first loss in Arrowhead. First ever loss in Arrowhead for Justin Herbert. Isn't that weird? He's never beat them at home, but he's beat them twice on the road until he still has, but he's 2-1 and one now. But they should have won. Chargers definitely should have won. For the rest of the NFL weekend, we got uh, we had Jets-Browns. Awesome game, that one. I don't know if Zach Wilson's supposed to play or not, but yeah, the Browns are favorites. We got the Washington Commanders versus the Lions. Another fantastic game. Bucks-Saints should be fun. Tom Brady always struggles against the Saints, so that should be fun. Panthers-Giants should be interesting. Battles the number one and two picks in the 2018 draft. Baker Mayfield take one Barkley. They got Patriots-Steelers. A few years ago, that would have been a Sunday night football game. Now it's uh, that's boring. The game is boring as hell. Pages are favorites in that one, too. Colts-Jags is the next one. We got Dolphins-Ravens, which should be really fun. Then we got uh, Falcons-Rams. Lamar Jackson always has a good game against the Dolphins. But we got Falcons-Rams, Niners-Sayhawks. Hopefully Trey Lance has a better game this week. 
Bengals, Cowboys, Texans, Broncos, Cardinals, Raiders, the nightcap, Bears, Packers, and then Monday Night Football, I got Bills, Titans, and then Vikings and the Eagles. Yeah. I'm just happy football's back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just really happy football's back. <laughs> it's a beautiful feeling. Beautiful feeling. But I think that's where I'm going to end it there. I My allergies are just done. I think you could tell the change in my voice. Like, my allergies are just kicking in right now. So I'm going to end the show there. I didn't really have a ton more that I needed to cover today. Maybe I want to talk a little more in-depthly about the games that were going on this weekend. Oh, the Cowboys, Cooper Rush is playing. It's no Dak Prescott, so who should they trade for this year? I don't know. Jimmy Garoppolo, Gardner Minshew. Got Mason Rudolph. Heineke from Washington. You got Andy Dalton still kicking it. Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod could be fun. Tyrod could be fun. But I'm not sure. I don't know what they do. Sign Cam Newton. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to see. But yeah, that's all I've got for you today. My allergies are kicking in. I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. And uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry for the, the abrupt ending. But I hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I apologize. I, I didn't enjoy the last at least 30 minutes of this show. So I hope you enjoyed somewhat of it. And uh, I will see you all later. Have a great weekend. Hopefully Iowa won. And yeah, talk to you on Monday. Have a good evening. Or have a good evening. Have a good weekend. Peace.